last course of the last few weeks, we started a series uh, called Empowered. And we're talking about being a spirit-filled witness. And, and so that, that means something. It's not just a word. It's not just an idea that it means something. And so we're, we're talking through that. Last week we talked about how when you're spirit-filled, you're going to have a splash effect on people around you. It's going to be good. It's going to be refreshing. And, and so hopefully, in any way. And so this morning we're going to talk today about, kind of take last week's idea to its next natural end. And so today we're, we're looking at the book of Luke chapter 10. So if you would turn with me today to Luke chapter 10. And as you turn to this morning, a uh, couple of years back, my wife and I had the chance to go visit L.A., Los Angeles. Uh, a place, to be honest with you, that I wasn't all that excited about going because I've heard the stories of the traffic and the dirt and the grime and all that, and it's all true. Uh, L.A. is busy, it's dirty, it's, bi- it's crazy. But there are things in L.A. you can't see anyplace else, right? Like, for instance, we went and saw the Brady Bunch house. Now, i got a picture of that behind me here. Uh, we are nerds. Yes, we are. Uh, this is the Brady Bunch house. We, we stood in front of that, took a picture, because, I don't know, I just would love to do that kind of stuff. But, but not far from this place, um, there, is a, there is a street that a lot of us know called Rodeo Drive, of course, not Rodeo, because if you do, they know you're from Minnesota, so you got to say Rodeo. But, but, but anyway, so Rodeo Drive is quite a sight as well for different reasons. You don't see things like Rodeo Drive anyplace else either. Uh, you don't shop in the stores like anyplace else because you can't get into half of them. Many of the stores in Rodeo Drive they don't let you and I in there. You got to have like a bank account, and you got to be, uh, you got to have re- re- reservations to get in there. It's just, it's crazy. And so we we walked into a few at stores we could, and literally laughed out loud because we are Kohl's bargain shoppers. And so we see the prices of some of the stuff there. It's just ridiculous. And one of those stories, or one of those stores, was a store about the middle of the street called the House of Bijan. And it's a store I had never heard. So Maurice knows. I'd never heard it before. Uh, apparently, the House of Bajan is the most expensive and exclusive men's clothing store on the entire planet. I- I've never heard of it before, again, because I'm a Kohl's bargain shopper. But we couldn't get in there because, again, you need to have a bank account verification. And trust me, none of us are getting in to the House of Bajan. But there's a really interesting thing that happens in front of the House of Bajan. And it happened, started back in 2011. The, the former owner, the late owner of the House of Bajan, whose name is Bajan, um, who is a famous designer, in 2011, he ordered a car. It was his dream car. It was a car he'd always wanted. And so he ordered this car, but never got to drive it because he passed away before he actually received the car. Because what he ordered was this car right here. This is a 2011 $1.7 million 2011 Bugatti Veyron Grand Sports. Now, I like cars, okay? I really do. And, and, and this, is, this is why we went to Rodeo Drive. Because I heard that you see some crazy cars on Rodeo Drive. And it did not disappoint. I saw cars like this all over the place. But, but this, this car is special. 
You don't see many Bugattis out there, period, especially not one like this. This is a one-out-of-one car. Every Bugatti uh, Veyron Grand Sport was one-out-of-one. You didn't go down to the Bugatti dealership and pick one out, red, yellow, green, purple. No, you have to order these special order. They sign them. They are made by hand in France. It's incredible. And so, so what this car is, this car is amazing because this is, again, made by hand, tailor-made. It has an 8-liter, 16-cylinder engine with four turbochargers. Now, if you're not a car person and you're like, that's just blah, 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 this, car, this engine produces 1,001 horsepower. Yes, I said that right, 1,001 horsepower. This car is fast. It can go 0 to 265 in a couple of seconds. That will throw you back in your seat pretty quickly. Zero to 265 in, in seconds. This car was made to drive. But what's interesting about this car right here is this car has never done that. Because every day since this car was delivered to this family, what, he, what the son of this Bajan did at first was he, he took the car and he parked it out front as a tribute to his dad. And so, and so he did that, and it was not supposed to be a long-term thing. It was supposed to just be a quick thing. And it ended up that it became such a tourist attraction that he continued to do this. And has, they have done this every day since 2011. What's interesting is this car has never been driven hard. It sits in a lot a few blocks away on, from Rodeo Drive, and it comes a few blocks, never gets very fast, pulls up like, a, like, a, like an old Buick, and pulls up in this spot and just sits there like nothing every day. And, and come to think of it, I used to have a car just like that, you know, made to, made to drive, and sat a whole lot. But my car was a little different. It was a little bit less than $1.7 million. My first car was this right here. It was a 1985 Buick Skyhawk. Now, this car was hot. No, this was my very first car. Now, this was not an actual picture of my first car because my first car was so rusty and ugly, you never wanted a picture of it. But this is what it would have looked like brand new. Pretty cool, right? My, my first car, an 85 Buick Skyhawk, had an original MSRP of $7,882. Take that, Bugatti. And so, but I got mine for 1000 bucks. I got a great deal on my car, as, as I like to get on cars. And so, got a great deal. My car was just like the Bugatti in that it had an engine and wheels. It had a 1.8 liter engine, four cylinders, count them, one, two, three, four, and it made a whopping 86 horsepower. And I had to look that up because I was like, it wasn't really that low. And so I went and looked around. I was like, yep, 86 horsepower. Now, now again, the Bugatti is 1,001 horsepower. My car was an 86 horsepower car, right? A little bit different. So the Bugatti would go 0 to 265 in seconds. My car's top speed was 105. Now, here's the deal. That's not true, okay? Because I had that thing floored. It did not go to 105. Trust me. And so, and so my car did 0 to 60 in 12.1 seconds. Now, if that sounds fast, let's think about this. 1,001, 1,002, 1,003. 
1005, 1006, 1007, 1008, 1009, 1010, 1011, 1012.1. That's how long it took my car to go from zero to driving on a county road. Okay, that gives you a perspective of how fast my car was. It was made to drive, but my car sat because it, one, one day I was driving my sister to swim practice when I was in high school, and it died at 95,000 miles. It threw a rod through the engine in front of the Monticello Hospital, and there it sat for a while until I got home, which in that place it sat for a while, until I found a way to get it towed to the junkyards. Just like the Bugatti, was made to drive, but all it did was sit. Now, that's the difference, of course. But now why tell you that story? Well, this is the deal. A lot of believers are living 85 Buick Skyhawk spiritual lives when God has given us the ability to live like Bugattis. Now you say, yeah, come on now. Now you might say, well, that's just preacher talk. Well, listen to what this passage here tells us. Luke chapter 10, verse 1, it says, The Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great. The workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. Jesus took 72 nameless people. We don't know their story. We don't know their history. We don't know what happened. 72 people who were nameless, who called them into the ministry and sent them on ahead of him to these cities and towns where he was about to go. What Jesus did was Jesus took what had previously been thought to be done by professionals and made it something that the common people could do. And by that I mean he called them into the ministry. Now you might say, what? Now I want to ask you today, when I say the word ministry, what comes to your minds? You might say a pastor, or you might say kids worker, or Sunday school teacher, or, or whatever it might be. Those are all good and fine things. And so, but Jesus here is calling these people into a very specific ministry calling. And I think we can learn something here today from what he does in this passage. He does something incredible here as he shows us what ministry actually is supposed to look like. That we think so often ministry is doing things on behalf of God, and although those things are good and wonderful and important, we should be doing that. But Jesus here shows us that ministry is something, something together, altogether different. And, and it kind of comes with this, this big idea today, and the big idea is get ready to work. Now, if I had sleeves, I'd roll them up this morning, because that's the view that I kind of want all of us to have get ready to work. You might hear that and say, well, that's, I, don't, I have a job, or I have things to do, or, or don't we pay pastors to do ministry, or whatever. I don't know what your response to that might be, but you might say, I'm not sure how that sounds. Get ready to work. I don't know if I need something else to do. But what Jesus is going to show us here over the next couple of verses, he's going to give us an understanding of what he means when he says, get ready to work. And this is, in a lot of ways, what he is talking about. You see, as believers and as Christians, our job and our role is we have a simple mandate to carry Jesus into the harvest fields. Now, you can't literally like pick up Jesus and 
carry him to the harvest fields, right? But what we do do is that we carry his message. We carry the message, which his message, which of course had this completely within its reach. This is what he calls us to do, to carry him to the harvest fields. Now what's interesting about this is we carry him to the harvest fields. We carry his message out there. What happens is that we don't have hands that are full of a whole lot else, right? He has called us to live a life where we are constantly carrying him to the world. For instance, a few years back, I was with an evangelist having some dinner one night after church. We had him in for some some meetings, and I'm a, I'm a pretty, you know, outspoken person, but sometimes I get kind of quiet at times. I like to be sometimes kind of get in my little shell. Believe it or not, I do have one of those, and so it happens sometimes, and this is one of those kind of nights. I was just quiet. I was busy. It was a, a long week. We just were going to go out for a nice, quiet meal, and we're going to talk, and, and, and this, the, the, the waitress comes up to us, and she has a, she has a, 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 a hand uh, um, brace on her, and so this this kind of loud evangelist, well, I'll be honest with you, he said, he said, hey, I noticed your hand has got, a, got a, a sling. What happened? And so she told us the story, and she explained to us what happened, and he said, can I pray for that? Now, I thought, oh, no, you know, because I know this guy. His name is Dean Niferatus, and he's loud, and he is crazy. And so we've had him here before. He's a loud guy. And so I know this guy. I thought, oh, no. Here we go. And so just as I thought, he stood up and he started praying in tongues over this lady. Oh, God, heal this, this lady. Heal this, this situation. Heal her hand. Let her know you love her and care about her and you're working in her life. Amen. And she stood back a little bit because I don't think she was quite ready for that to happen. And, and she, he said, well, how do you feel? And she said, well, I, I feel good, I guess. It was kind of awkward and such. And then she, she goes away. And, 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 and Dean goes, Dean goes I, I love this. I love doing this. I'm like, what did you do? I live in this town, man. No, no, what did you do here? So, so what happened, what, a few minutes later, she comes back to our table and she is crying. And I'm thinking, again, no, I'm, I didn't think this, but you could think this. What did you do to him? No, no, he comes back, she's crying. She, she comes back. What's interesting is she didn't have the sling on her hand anymore. And she comes back and she says, I don't know what you did. I don't know who you are. And I don't know how you prayed. But God just did something in my hand. She said, I don't have it anymore. She said, I haven't had this, this feeling in my hand for years. I don't know what happened. She, was, she couldn't believe it. She is weeping and she is crying. Church, God has called us to carry his message to the world. Amen? See, this is the message that he called these people to. When he said he released them into ministry, he released them into doing things on his behalf. He released them into doing things on on how he would say and how he would do, go do this in my stead. That's the message that he's called us to carry to the world. You can imagine if somebody were to have that happen to them. You can imagine as a member of your family or uh, you might have that that uncle George or Tom or whatever it is at Thanksgiving and and this uncle, he's skeptical and he doesn't believe and all this stuff, but man, you prayed for him and God healed him. Now he is arrested and he has changed and he can't ever go back to how it was before. God did something. Church, God's called us to carry him to the world. 
What's also interesting is when we have our hands full of what he has called us to, which is carrying him, our hands are less full for other junk, right? See, I think a lot of us are really wanting to see God do something big, but this passage here shows us, gives Jesus, gives some ideas in here on how this actually works. We have a calling to carry Jesus to the harvest fields. Listen to how this happens. Verse 3. He says, now go. Everyone say go. Now go and remember that I am sending you out as lambs among wolves. Don't take money with you, not a traveler's bag, nor an extra pair of sandals, and don't stop to greet anyone on the roads. See, Jesus gives them some, some ways in which he tells them and how you're going to do this ministry I've called you to. The first one here is start from where you are and go. And he says a very interesting thing here, it does. He says, like lambs among wolves. That's interesting. And, and, and I have some girls, and my girls have bunnies, which means that I now have bunnies. And so I have two little bunnies in my household, and they're cute. It's chocolate and, and, and shadow, and chocolate and shadow are, if they die, it's not maybe from lack of love, trust me. Maybe from too much love, but not lack of love. And so these bunnies, are, they are a big part of our family now, uh, my girls spend a lot of time with them. Uh, yesterday, they spent much of the day with these bunnies, and, and they love them. So if I were to say, I'm going to send you out into, I'm going to send these bunnies out into a pack of dogs, that's pretty mean, isn't it? That's a pretty cruel thing to do. Not only would I probably have some sad girls, some angry girls, I'd have some dead bunnies on my hand. You see, when Jesus says this, he says a very interesting thing. And then, of course, he says, don't take money with you or a bag or sandals or anything else. And you think, well, how can this happen? How can you go in ministry and do things? How can you have any effectiveness if you have nothing to go with you? But what's, what he's saying here is this. He's saying, don't wait till every detail is right. Don't wait until the timing is right. You feel safe before you do what Jesus called you to do, which is go into the world and carry his message to the people. Don't wait for the right time. And that's a big deal for us because I think a lot of times we have a lot of reasons why we don't do what he's called us to do, don't we? We may have reasons, we have some, some, some excuses or, or whatever it might be. Oh God, I'm busy or I got this going on or I got that going on or I don't, what if they, what if they reject me or what if I pray and nothing happens? What if I pray and no one gets healed? I mean, then what? I'll be sitting there with egg in my face and I'm just not sure how this is going to happen. God, I can't do this because of those kind of reasons. What Jesus is telling us here is don't let those be the reasons. Just go. Just start from where you are and go. Verse 5, it says, whenever you enter someone's house, first say, may God's peace be on this house. If those who live there are peaceful, and the blessing will stand. If they are not, the blessing will return to you. The second thing we have to realize is we have to understand the power of our words. Think about the implications of what Jesus says in this passage here. He says, if you go, pronounce peace on a house. If it's peaceful, then you have pronounced peace on that house. Essentially, that's what he's saying. He says, you've spoken it into existence. If not, it'll return to you. Words are powerful. 
Words have, have, are more than just sounds coming out of our mouth. Words have power. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 36, he said, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. See, some of us, I think, are living 85 Buick Skyhawk dead in front of the hospital lives because we've spoken these things into existence. We've done this in our own personal lives. We've done this in, in ways, well, I can never change, or he'll never change, or she'll never change, or, oh, this can never happen. We can never do this. God, you're calling me to what? No way. Can't happen. Not possible. I think a lot of us have lives like we have because we've spoken those things into existence. Our words are powerful. Our words carry weight, as the scripture here teaches us and, and shows us. Listen to Proverbs 10, 11. It says, the words of the godly are a life-giving fountain. Your words are powerful. I got called on this the other day. It's so funny. Sometimes how God works. I'm preaching on this. I know I'm preaching on this. Nick, uh, Steen, and I were out front the other day. We were talking about some stuff, and I said something like this. I'm not sure what I said now, but I said some disparaging comment about something, and it was just an offhanded comment. He said, he said hold on. Don't speak that into existence. And I said, Nick, you're right. You're right. You, we do this without thinking so often, don't we? God, help us. God, help us. And God shows us here that our words matter. Our words matter. Verse 8, he says, If you enter a town and it welcomes you, eat whatever is set before you. Heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you now. That's an important detail, isn't it? Heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you now. If a town refuses to welcome you, go out into its streets and say, and wipe the dust off your own feet and show them we've abandoned you to your own fates. And know this, the kingdom of God is near. See, the, the third thing here we look at is we need to look for open doors. We need to look for open doors. See, look at verse 9 again. It says, heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you now, I have people in my life who are, frankly, are closed doors in some ways. And I'll be honest with you, for a lot of years, I spent a lot of time and a lot of effort on people that had no interest in what I was telling them. I, I spent a lot of work and time. Frankly, most of that was on the internet. I had a while where I was like the biggest arguer on chat rooms back in the day because I thought, man, I'm going to tell people about Jesus and I'm going to argue in the chat rooms and such. And you might say, Pastor Steve, you never deal with any deep things on the internet. This is the reason why. Because I don't have time to. I spend so much time arguing and arguing and arguing with people over things. You see, we need to learn how to look for the open doors that God has set before us. Sometimes we want so hard and, and try so hard to make things happen that we fail to be spirit-led people. There are people around us. There are people in our workplaces, in our families, in our areas of influence that are open doors right now. If we will be people that are spirit-led people, that are saying, God, how can you use me today, this morning, to bring it, to carry your message to them? Man, how powerful could that be? Let's be people who look for open doors because we have access to the power of God's. 
And I will tell you, it's not because of us. Because we're that great. Because you know and I know that we're not. The power is because of his righteousness, his grace, his mercy. Amen? That's what's happened. And again, what's so fascinating in this passage is Jesus sends these 72 people as representatives of him to the world. I hear people sometimes say, oh, the church is, is ineffective. Things are, are, are struggling. I saw the pastor, uh, an older pastor a while back who was just dejected and struggling so desperately. And my heart was breaking for him. I was trying to encourage him. And he said, said, Steve, he said, I just don't have it anymore. He said, I'm just too old. No one cares about what I do. Just, he was just really struggling. He said, the church has just passed me by. And, and the way of, of things has passed me by. I thought, this man has many years of experience, maybe more than I was even alive. And we talked about this, but his belief and his understanding was that what he did for the church and what he did for God was where his value was. It's not. Your value is not found in what you do. Your value is found in who you trust and who you believe. If you will carry your life and carry him and carry the cross to the people, you're going to find value there that you never thought possible. Because Christianity is not a 12-step program, right? It's not a 12 steps to a better you. It's not five steps or, or three steps or even one, two steps. It's one step. And that one step is to the foot of the cross where you kneel your heart down in front of Jesus and say, I need you, Lord. I, my life is, can, is, is nothing without you. I am desperate for your name. That's the one step of Christianity. And that's what God has called us to carry to the world. The message of the cross. He says here, it's heal the sick and it's, he's opened doors. But frankly, that's intimidating for many, isn't it? I'm a, a loud person, and, I, I, and it's intimidating for me. When my friend says, let's pray for you, I felt this sense of intimidation. And I wonder if that's the enemy not trying to take us off track and off, off direction of what God can do through us. I, I think about what my friend Dean have said. No, I'm, I'm a little nervous, a little scared. This lady would not have been blessed that day. You see, here, here's the deal. He's called us, he's opened doors to heal the sick. So we, we pray like this. We're not praying that I'm a healer, right? We pray because we know a healer and he can touch you and he can minister and, and he can work. Why? Because the kingdom of God is near, he says. Now, this is a fascinating thing just to say here. He, he talks about this, and, and you can have probably prayed for this hundreds of times in your life with the Lord's Prayer. People can recite this and over and over again. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, that blah, 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 blah. You, you know what I'm talking about. I say it like that because that's how we sometimes pray that, right? Just blah right through the whole thing. But he says in there, Lord, let your kingdom come. Is there a disease in heaven? No. Is there sickness in heaven? Well, no. Is, is there brokenness in heaven? Well, no. Is there, is there, is there these, all these big things in heaven? Well, of course, the answer is, is no. So when Jesus says, pray like this because the kingdom of heaven is near, he is saying, you bring with you the kingdom of heaven to this world and let people know he's coming, he is here, he is near, and he can touch you and minister in you. God, do that in our lives and in our hearts. Lord, we are carriers 
heirs of the kingdom. Can I get a witness this morning? Come on now. You know, that's church. Everything around us should be different because we are there. And not because of us being so wonderful. It's because we carry the kingdom to the people. See, you don't have to change your voice. You pray for people, right? You don't have to be a, a professional to, when you pray for people like this. You don't have to do those kinds of things. You, 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 you're sick. Can I pray for you? And, and I'm going to pray, and that I'm going to trust that God will minister in your life, and, and you will never, ever be the same. The church, I think, in many cases, in many ways, what the life we have hungry for and thirsty for as, as believers, the life that people who don't know Christ yet need to see from us is that we believe these things because God is working, right? God is moving. God's doing some good things, and it's time to get to work. What if a church and a people thought like this? As the band comes forward, as Joe comes forward to play real quickly today, as we're going to go into a time of, of response this morning. I want to give us some time to, to do this. It's time to get to work. I have testimonies of my own of these kind of things happening. And I don't want to share necessarily with me, but I want to share a couple of things that God's done in, in my life as people have done this. I remember a few weeks back, I, I gave a testimony um, I, I was struggling with some sleeping problems and having some different problems with uh, my heart. It was, palpa was palpitating or whatever you call that. And I was uh, this kind of stuff happening. And so I was concerned and I was not sleeping. And so all night I'd, I'd be awake with my heart palpitating. And, and, and I was just concerned about this. And I, how, do you, how many of you know when you're lying awake at night, you have lots of time to think and worry about things, right? And so I was doing that. And so a few weeks back, I was, I was just saying, I'm going to get prayer for this. And so I, I had Jason pray for me a few weeks back. And, and, and God touched me, and he healed me instantly. And so the next few nights, I slept like a baby, which no parent would ever say, right, whatever. My kids are older now, so I can say that again. But I slept like a baby. I slept so good for about three nights. And then on night four, all of a sudden, it all changed. It went back to the way it was before. I was awake. I was sweaty. I was, my mouth was dry. I did not feel good. I was, my heart was racing and acting weird and all this. I was concerned. What's, what's, what's crazy is that I was sitting there and I was thinking, God, you healed me a few weeks ago or a few days ago. I, I know you did. And now here I stand. Here I sit when, or here I lay in my bed. And it's all back to the way it was. What's happening, God? And I was struggling over this. And it became this fight to continue to trust and believe. It was this fight to say, God, I trust what you did. Then you finished and you did. And I believe that he did that. And I believe he finished that work. But I was wrestling through that idea. And then I finally fell asleep at about 5 o'clock in the morning or 4 or 30 or whatever. So I was just about to get up. And I fell asleep for a few moments. And I... I had a dream, and I had a dream that I was wandering through a desert, and I was parched, and I was thirsty, and I was just, just panting for water, and I was looking around, and, and I was like, I had been up for days and days and days. I couldn't find anything to drink, and this, this very vivid dream, and I woke up, and God said, he said, Steve, get on your phone, 
And I, this is, again, you think, well, this is, this is it. Get on your phone and Google sleep problems and dehydration. Now, I have never heard this before. I've never dealt with this, whatever else. And so I'm just, okay, so I do this. And I find all of these articles that, that describe to a T what I was having happen in my life. So that morning I said, God, I think that this has been a problem in my life for a, a long time. And I'd realized that I had gone for three or four days working hard and I hadn't hardly drank any water. Now again, you think, Let's, this is, how is this a, a testimony? I'm getting to that this morning. So I, I'm walking through this and so I had to go get some water. So I started drinking and drinking and drinking water and, and, and such. And I will tell you, for the last few nights, I have slept great. Um, my, my heart is not racing anymore, all this kind of stuff. All that to say that sometimes when we pray for things, God may do the things in a moment, and sometimes it takes a while. But in both situations, God gets glory. And what if we prayed for people and sought God's face and trusted him to touch people's lives no matter what? Man, what could happen in a world like that? In a church like that who thought and operated like that? In a church who said our hearts and our mission is to carry him to the world and let him minister and speak and do in people's lives whatever they might. I've seen God do this in my life. I've seen God touch people and minister in people when I prayed for them. I know that you have too this morning. Because this is what's so cool about we have this attitude that if I pray for you or you pray for me that God would heal, I'm not doing it. I have, I have carried Jesus to you to minister in your life. What he does with that is what he does with that. You might be here this morning, you might say, Pastor Steve, I'm not a believer. I don't know Jesus. I don't know who he is. This is the life you're searching for. You might even think that you have an understanding of God and who he is. Maybe you grew up in a church or you grew up knowing religion and such, but I will tell you today, you have no idea. Because when you serve and trust and walk with Jesus in this kind of way, you'll see him do things and minister in ways you never dreamed possible. So if you're here today and you say, I don't, I'm not a believer, I'm not sure, I don't know what's going on, I will tell you, you don't know yet, give your heart to him and see what he might do. See how he might minister. You don't have to check your brains at the door. You don't have to say, well, I just got to, no. no, just give your life to him and see what he might do. And believer, the same goes for us. We need to give our lives to him and see what he might do. Now, you've given your heart to him, but how about your life? What's in your hand this morning? What are you carrying to the world? Are you carrying joy? Are you carrying fear? Are you carrying trepidation? Are you carrying lack of faith? Are you carrying sin? See, I'll be honest with you this morning. You might not see this kind of thing in your life because your life is full of sin. And you've not, you've not come to the cross and kneeled down and allow him to turn your life around. That will stop God from doing this. It, it really will. The word says that the prayers of a righteous man or woman availeth much. Make a big difference. That's a, a great word for make. It makes a big difference. 
The key is the righteous part. God has called you to come, you first, to come to his, his cross and kneel down and say, God, I give you my life. Christianity is a one-step program. You might need to do that. Believer, you might need to do that today. What do you bring to the cross? What do you bring to the, to the world? Fear? Worry? It's a big question. Do you bring doubt, disillusionment? James tells us that if we have doubt in our hearts, we, we pray with doubt in our hearts, we can expect to receive nothing from God. What are you bringing to the world? What are you bringing to the people? The call God's placed upon your life is to bring him, his message, his cross, and then see what he might do. Would you stand across this room this morning? Heads bowed. No one looking around today. This is a time between us and God. My call this morning first is to people that do not profess to believe and walk with Jesus. I'm just, I'm being honest with you. I, I, I have to be. If you've not given your heart to him, it's, it's, this is not a, you're missing it as a religious idea as much as that you're missing life. You were made for this, and you know it. There's a hole in your heart that you know it's there, and there's a hole in your heart that has not been filled by anything else, and you know it. No one else does. I'm telling this morning, you were created on purpose by God for a life like this. If you've not given your heart to him, your first step is not to try to do things better and try to clean your life up and try to do a better job and blah, 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 blah. No, your first step is to come to the cross, to lay your life at Jesus' feet and say, Lord, I, I'm a sinner. Lord, I missed it. I'm wrong. I'm sorry. Forgive me. If that's you this morning, heads bowed, eyes closed, I'm gonna give you a chance to do something very daring today. I wanna ask you if that's you to raise your hand across this room. Again, Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. This is a serious time with God. I want people to know that no one's looking at them. You need Jesus. Praise Jesus. Hands down. We're gonna pray. If you raised your hand, or even if you said, ah, I'm not sure I can do that, but... There's something to this. I, I want this morning to pray a prayer and I want you to repeat after me. My prayer is not magic, but this is a prayer that you can pray this morning to ask God to come in your heart through Jesus. Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my future, my life, my hope, my dreams. It's all yours. Come into my life. I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for the things I've done. Forgive me, wash me, make me new. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. And everyone said, amen and amen. Church, this morning there are those that are a member of the body of Christ because they raised their hands today. Give God some glory this morning. Come on. If you prayed that prayer this morning, we are not clapping because this is just what we do. We are happy for you because this is, this is life. You pray that prayer today, come find me or 
come, there'll be people up here in a minute to pray with you. Come find with them. Just say, I, I prayed the prayer today. I want you to know that. And we're going to pray for you. Heads bowed, though, eyes closed. We're not done yet this morning. Again, my question what earlier was, what do you bring? We are here to roll up our sleeves and, and, and get to work. We are here to, to carry the cross, carry the message of Christ to the world. It's so easy for us to forget that simple truth and start bringing all kinds of other things when he's asked us to just do one. Maybe God's calling you to step out in some areas of faith that you're just not quite sure you can or you will or whatever else yet, and you just need to give that to him. Trust him. You might be here today, you might say, Pastor Steve, I'm carrying with me doubt because I have prayed for things over the years and nothing seemed to happen, so you're carrying doubts. Bring that to the cross this morning. You might be here and say, I'm carrying bitterness, and I have my reasons. Yeah, I have my rights. Well, you might have a right, but just because you have a right doesn't make it right. You need to bring that to the cross. You might be just here this morning. There are all kinds of things that God's called you to. Prayer team, come forward. We're going to pray in a few moments. We're going to sing in a few moments. If that's you, if God's called you today to come, and you just need to spend time with him and bring these things to his, the feet of his cross. He is here. Amen? He is here to receive those. He is here to work in your life. He is here to minister this morning. You might be here today and say, say, Jesus, I'm ready to take a next step. I just need my marching orders. What direction you want me to go? Lord, I've got you under my arms. I've got you in my way. And Lord, I'm going. What way should I go? Man, come. Lord, ask him this morning. See where he would have you to go. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you.